Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. However, this week, instead of doing all of that, we will be discussing our top 10 films of 2021. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, let's answer the question, what's the best non-2021 movie that you saw for the first time in 2021? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I saw Rio Bravo, the 1959 uh, movie by Howard Hawks for the first time. It is a excellent Western starring, I almost forgot, John Wayne's name. (laughs) (laughs) little up-and-comer yeah yeah um, yeah (laughs) it is such a fun movie and sandra i know you hate westerns you would hate this one for sure but um if you like westerns this is like one of the uh one of the great ones and i just had never seen it before well that's a very lucas pick Um, (laughs) i am sandra omstutz i'm in nashville tennessee and um in 2021 i saw christopher nolan's interstellar for the first time oh wow and let me tell you pretty good movie pretty pretty good movie yeah i really i really loved it i think when it first came out a lot of people had like crazy high expectations for that Mm. movie and so i think a lot of people feel like it was disappointing but it's a good movie and i think i avoided it when it came out because um it looked like it was just too much. Like, I don't need <laughs> this big blockbuster space epic Christopher Nolan. And turns out in 2021, that's exactly that's, what I needed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's start talking about movies that did come out in 2021. Um, this is my favorite episode of the year where we review the best films that we saw this year. Um, Lucas, you and I usually try to see as many new releases as possible. I want to know, how many 2021 movies did you watch this year? I watched 76 movies that came out in 2021. my goodness. Normally, Lucas, I feel like (laughs) in the past, um, either we're pretty even or I try to do, like, see a lot more than you. Yeah. There was one year in particular where I saw 105, and that, like, I almost killed myself. (laughs) Yes. Um... So this year, however, this is the lowest number of movie, new movies I've watched in quite a while. Um, I watched 44 2020 oh, wow. movies this year. I know. That is Usually low. I hit like between 50, 60 or so. Yeah. I think, I think it was a long, hard year, to be quite honest. It was. And I think it was the kind of year where I reverted to a lot of comfort media versus new and engaging media. Um, yeah. That, that makes sense. We are still yeah. in the middle of a pandemic that we thought would be over by now. So, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, for me, year two was harder than year one. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, so I want to know, out of those, how much was your number again? 73? 76. 76. Um, you got 76 done. 
but I'm sure there's still some that you were that you missed that you wanted to watch that you didn't get to. What movies did you not get a chance to see? The movies that I didn't get a chance to see, and this is mostly due to uh, to COVID and me not wanting to be in theaters at the times when these movies were available. Sure. But um, Licorice Pizza was not a movie that I got around to. Also, Memoria is a movie that has not played in Chicago yet. It's a movie I really wanted to see starring Tilda Swinton, um, and it's just not available. Yeah. I mean, that's the real trick for a lot of the movies that have come out this yeah. year is, is getting a chance to see them. Because I feel like, one... COVID makes us hesitant to go to the theaters, but also even the ones that have come to theaters, it's pretty limited. Like it, things I feel like come and go real fast. Yeah, um, definitely. The one thing that I will say that is different about this year than most years is that I feel like things came to streaming way quicker than they literally ever have before. Um, yes. A lot of the studios so, changed their um, required amount of days in theaters. So we did get a lot of streaming uh, releases faster, yeah, which was nice. That, that has been so helpful. Um, so I have a list of movies that I have not gotten a chance to see. And some of them are because of availability. Well, one of them I think really is because of availability. The other one, the others are just because, um, I'm just been a very, in this time of year where I spend the most time catching up on movies, end of December, beginning of January. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also when I'm at my most tender emotionally, I find, yeah. you know, the holidays and the stress of all of that. And so there, these are movies that I didn't get to because I don't, I didn't think I could handle them emotionally at this point of the year. Um, and so those are Mass, Procession, The Last Duel, Test Pattern, Benedetta. And then I, I didn't get a chance to to see Petite Maman, um, even though it's one that I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. So. Those are not going to be on my top 10, um, but I will be watching them, and I have, I've only heard good things. I can't wait. We, we definitely have to talk about some of those when you get to them. Yeah. Now that we've kind of covered our bases and like what people shouldn't expect to see on our lists, I want to know, are you ready to start going through our top 10? Let's do it. Lucas, why don't you start us off with your number 10 pick? Okay. Um, before I start my 10, I will say I do think this year was a great year for films. Um, I do think, though, that there were a lot of movies that I respected more than I actually liked. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, and so I think my list, just looking at it this year, it feels very different from other years. And I think um, as we go through those, I think I'll, I'll call out some of those pieces. But um, the first uh, movie on my list, number 10, this is my most anticipated movie uh, for 2021 when I predicted it last year. And Sandra, you probably expected this to be here. Uh, this is The Harder They Fall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, this movie is by far the most fun movie on my list. Um, it's an all-black Western with truly amazing performances from Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield, and Regina King. Um, it has an exceptional soundtrack from the writer-director of the movie, um, James Samuel, and a host of other collaborators, such as uh, Lauren Hill, Jay-Z, Seal is on there. Um, it is such a colorful and stylized movie in a way that most Westerns are not. And I don't think it's in any way like a perfect movie, but it is 
I think for me, the best way to kick off my favorite movies of the year. I'm so glad that this made your list. I haven't seen it yet, but I really do plan on seeing it, Lucas. Even though I'm not a fan of Westerns, (laughs) I do want you to know I do plan on watching this. I think you will definitely Um, have fun with it. And that's what I really need. I'm looking at my list right now, and fun is not, I think, uh, the majority of my movies. You know, I wouldn't describe the majority of my movies (laughs) as fun. And I need fun movies in my life. And so I'm so glad that this one is present on yours. All right, you're up. Number 10, what you got? Well, I'm going to preface my list by saying that Number 10 is the hardest spot to pick, right? Because you have a bunch of runner-ups. Yeah. And I would say I had four movies that could fit in the number 10 spot. And I picked this one just based off of gut. Um, I haven't seen it since the beginning of the year. So I haven't even come back to it to, to refresh myself on all the reasons why I loved it. But I do remember that I loved um, Together Together, starring Patty Harrison and Ed Helms, directed by Nicole Beckwith. Um, this is a movie I saw during Sunday when we when we were streaming a bunch of Sundance movies. Yeah. Um, and I was so taken with it the moment that I watched it. It's about a single guy in his um, 40s who just really wants to be a dad and he decides to just make it happen on his own by using a surrogate and Patty Harrison plays the the young woman who is the surrogate for Edda Helms's character and the movie is just about their relationship that is platonic but very intimate because she is carrying his child and it's about the friendship that develops and the awkwardness that, of that relationship I found it so sweet and beautiful, and I really – I think it's a movie that I hope – it's a movie that I hope a lot of people will check out because um, I think it's a star-turning performance for Patty Harrison, and it's just really – it's good and sweet. Yeah, Patty Harrison is fantastic in this movie. Um, I – was so surprised by how much I liked this movie. Yeah. Um, I I think something is like we don't get enough of, and I think we've talked about this before, but like friendship, like movies about friendships and that relationship. Um, I think I love movies about about you know love and romantic love, but we just don't get a lot of movies truly about friendship because I think those are those are harder relationships to navigate and like more yeah. difficult for people to um to deal with you know in their daily life and those are there there's more of those relationships that they're having to deal with so um yeah i thought this movie was really great it didn't i have so much to talk about the ending um at some point we should definitely talk about that but i just we'll wanted it to keep going there's there's so much more um of their relationship that i just wanted to see yeah i think that's a great point that there are a lot of like buddy comedies, right? Or movies yeah. that are about friends, but rarely do they explore like the intricacies and the complexities of friendship dynamics. Yeah. And um especially complicated friendships like like this one could be. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and it's it's the thing that that's interesting about that is, you know, not everyone falls in love or has a long-term like life partner, right? But almost everyone has deep friendships or has had deep friendships at some point. And so it's almost more universal and yet we see less of it in our, in our movies. Um, And so, yeah, I I think it's a really strong, strong film that um, has not got a lot of attention that I hope it's on Hulu. So go check it out on Hulu tonight. If you're looking for something sweet to watch. 
Um, okay, let's move on. Lucas, what is your number nine? Uh, my number nine movie is The Worst Person in the World. Um, this follows a young woman trying to figure out who she really is um, as she navigates her love life and struggles to find a career path. Um, I think this movie worried me at first because with a story like this, it's a slippery slope into, I think, making fun of millennials and young women in particular. But I think this is a really beautiful exploration of like all the joys and the obvious mistakes you make as a young person and decisions that end up making you who you are. Um, it felt like really unique and just really lovely to me. Yeah. I'm going to have some more to say about that later on in the <laughs> episode. I was positive you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you watched it and that you, that you liked it. I really am. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to my number nine, which is similar to um, Together Together, is another movie that I saw at during Sundance when we were streaming movies that Sundance was showing. This is a documentary called Cusp. It is directed by Isabel Bethencourt and Parker Hill, and it star- it's about three teenage girls in a small Texas military town. Um and it just kind of navigates their lives throughout a very, like, lazy, hot Texas summer. Um, I grew up in Texas, and I I love movies about Texas. Like, fictional movies, documentaries. I, I, I do feel this kinship to my home state, even though I don't live there anymore. And to see it, that there was this movie about teenage girls in Texas, I was like, sign me up. You know, I, I didn't really need to know more. Mm-hmm. What I this movie I think has a lot of flaws. It's very aimless. It's incredibly low budget. It's I think two brand new filmmakers that probably could have done uh, a better job editing and streamlining as some sort of story. But I don't care about any of that because what they were able to capture felt so authentic and familiar in so many ways to me. A lot of it didn't feel familiar in that I didn't experience what these girls have experienced, but so much of it also did. And um, just the way that she captured the look of a small rural town in Texas, the Texas sky, the, the fast food locations, teenagers, not really having much to do and kind of wasting their days away. Um, all of that was just like brought back so many memories. Um, But what really makes this movie special is that it shows just like the terror and the trials of being a teenage girl, specific, specifically being a teenage girl. um, When you don't, when you might not have parents looking out for your every move, or you might not have a social group that is, protective of you, um, where you, when you're pretty vulnerable and the way that girls are vulnerable to sexual assault, to insecurities, to, um, boys in general, um, it was really, really powerful. And I loved this movie so much, even though it deals with like a lot of dark, deep subjects, Um, It was also so full of life and energy that when the movie ended, I immediately hit replay and watched it again, like back to back. Um, And I rarely do that with especially (laughs) a documentary. So um, Cusp is available on Showtime. And um, if you care about young women and what they have to go through, 
it's something that I would really recommend. That's awesome. This was not a movie I got to see um, at Sundance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm very excited that um, that it made your list. It's definitely one I'll have to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to your number eight. My number eight is Drive My Car. Um, this film sat with me for a long time. As soon as it ended, I was like, that was really good. Um, but the longer <laughs> I spent from watching it, from having watched it, um, the more it felt like it really hit home. It's harder. It's hard to talk about the plot of this movie because I'm not sure what counts as a spoiler here. This is a three hour movie where like the prologue, uh, ends like 45 minutes into it. <laughs> so, um, but I will say it's about a theater actor slash director, who has has to give up driving for a time period. Um, He has to give up driving a car he loves, and we get to explore his relationship with his hired driver. Um, We get to explore his relationship with his wife and some of the actors that he's directing. Um, And I think it's it's really a beautiful movie about the connections that we make and how those influence us and drive our creativity. Um, It is a movie by a director who has... This is his third movie that came out this year. (laughs) Um... And it's, I, I, I saw this, I saw two of them and, um, I thought they were both really good and I'm just really impressed by, by this one specifically. I think drive my car is, uh, going to be a masterpiece. So, so I have a question for you, Lucas. Yes. Do you ever suffer from the embarrassment of seeing a movie that everyone is gushing about and being like, I don't get it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to be very vulnerable with you and with our audience in this moment and just like be honest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to go see drive my car because I was really, I've heard such great things about it. I went on new year's day and I was pretty hungover on new year's day. (laughs) I'll fully admit. And about two hours into the three hour movie, I was like, I am not, feeling this movie how long is this movie i also didn't know that it was a three-hour runtime when i went to see it which is would would definitely would have affected my choice to go see it Mm -hmm. um and two hours into the movie i i left the theater to go see how long the movie was and when i saw that that there was still an hour left i just left (laughs) i just thought I can't do this for another. Not that it was that bad yeah, yeah. that I needed to leave. It was just yeah. more, I was hungover. I knew I wasn't connecting with it and mm-hmm. I couldn't do it for another hour. Yeah. It's a slow movie. And I think it's a movie that as I was watching it, I, 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 I don't think I felt the way that you did, but I didn't feel as connected with it. It's just, it's, it's almost like, like you're the feeling you get after you've read a book, um, yeah. that you're like, wow, that is amazing. Um, but during the, during the time period when I was actually partaking of that media, it is, it didn't feel profound in any way. Um, yeah. I do think that like the ending of the movie really brings a lot of stuff home. Um, mm-hmm. and I think for me on a second watch, that's a movie that's going to really be enjoyable all the way through. <laughs> It's a hard sell. (laughs) It's something that I really do think I would come back to. I don't even have major critiques of it. It was more just like I couldn't handle that long of a movie on that particular day. Yeah. Um, I think you have to be in the right headspace. You have to go in knowing that, like, I'm going to spend three hours doing this. Yeah. It's a thing. I've done that another time at the same theater where this was where I, I came in and found out right as I was sitting down that the movie I was sitting down for was four hours long. (laughs) 
And about 40 minutes in, I, I bounced. I was wow. like, not yeah. doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot do this for four hours. Um, so that's my experience with driving my car. But I, I do want to come back to it and maybe in a different headspace. And I'm so glad that you loved it and that you got so much from it. Yeah. What's your number eight? My number eight, um, you know, we were talking about movies that are fun and how they usually don't feature heavily on our list. (laughs) This is a fun movie and it's a movie that really surprised me how deeply it affected me. And that is um, Encanto from Disney. All right. Um, It is directed by Jared Bush, Byron Howard and Sharice Castro Smith. Um, And the music was done by Lin-Manuel Miranda who we're all very familiar with. Um, (laughs) It's a Disney movie about a girl who lives in a family and a magical house. um, And this magical house grants every member of the family with a gift, which is sort of like a superpower, everyone except for her. And the house is starting to lose its magic and she's trying to save the day. Um, I didn't know much about Encanto, I, I, I probably saw some promotional materials, but I don't even know if I saw full trailers or not. Um, I went in because I had heard some good things on some podcasts, and I was really taken aback by how, like, what a gut punch it was emotionally for me. It's definitely very fun, family-friendly. The music is a blast. But this story about a girl who feels like the odd one out in her family and about a family that is struggling to have appropriate expectations of each other and love each other in the right ways. Um, And that's the main conflict was really, really special for me. I, to have that be the plot line of a kid's movie that connected with me so deeply as an adult, um, I cried so much in Encanto. And I also just want to say that, This is one of the most visually interesting movies I've seen all year. Um, It's so colorful and exciting and there's always something new to look at. And it's, I think the most beautiful Disney movie I've seen in quite a long time. Um, This is just, I animated movies, I watch them, but they're not really always, you know, they rarely make my list. And this one I think is very, very special. Um, my, the, what, another thing I do want to say about it is that uh, there have been a lot of musicals that have come out this year, yeah. c- especially compared to most years. And we've talked about most of them. And um, of all the musicals that have come out, this musical is the only one where I continually am listening to the songs. Like I'm in my car driving along listening to the music from Encanto. Um, and I think that says a lot about just the catchiness and the infectiousness of this movie and these, this music. I agree. The music is great. Um, <laughs> I also think it's, like you said, it's absolutely a beautiful movie. Um, it's set in Colombia, and I think we haven't seen a lot of Colombian movies that are, well, one, I haven't seen a lot of movies set in Colombia, period. But the ones yeah. that I have, I feel like are um, more focused on, like, the poverty and, like, you know, the dinginess of, like, uh, you know, the, the crime, like, those types of movies. Um, yeah. And this is just, like, a delightful, like, blast of, like, color and fun. And, um, you know, the love of this family is just fantastic. Uh, the the song that's stuck in my head uh, constantly is 
is Surface Pressure. Um, oh, Surface Pressure. I think that's the best song in the movie. It's it's so good. It's constantly stuck in my head. I keep singing it. Um, but that, that that the music of it is so fun, and I would watch an entire documentary uh, j- uh, just about uh, them making this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, not to mention, it just has, like, a wonderful voice acting cast. Um, mm-hmm. Stephanie Beatrice is the main lead and you and I are both big fans of her and yep. it's really exciting to see her be like a major star of a Disney movie. Yeah, for sure. Um okay, so what is your number 7 pick? My number 7 is um a movie called Flea. Um I feel like this is also a movie that's extremely difficult to market to people. Um <laughs> it's a documentary about a man who comes to Denmark as a refugee child from Afghanistan. Um, and as an adult, he's about to get married and he's telling his story, uh, to his best friend for the first time. And his friend is, uh, just recording it, but to keep his identity private there, they've actually animated it. Um, so you get these wonderful illustrated visuals to accompany the story that he's telling, um, intercut with a still animated, but him, um, just like living his life, cooking in his kitchen, um, um, as he's kind of, you know, just going about his, his transition about to get married and, it's extremely immersive and unlike any documentary that I've seen before. And I think it's a hard sell for most people, but it's a story about what the word home actually means to different people and how like sharing your life with someone is, is different than like sharing your whole self. And so I was really moved by this movie. I think it's very unique. Um, I would recommend it to just about everybody. But I know it's yeah. hard. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel no, like I have to caveat movie... most of my movies this year with, but it's a hard movie to watch. Sure. So. Sure. I feel yeah. Um, this movie's coming to my indie theater soon. And so. Oh, good. Yeah. Once it's there, I, I do want to check it out because it looks like a beautiful story. So my number seven pick is a movie from a director that everything I see from him that he makes really like I it always takes me by surprise and then blows me away. Um, and I should not be surprised anymore because every time he does this. <laughs> and that is the writer-director Mike Mills and his movie that came out this year is called Come On, Come On. Um, it stars Joaquin Phoenix, Gabby Hoffman, and a young child actor named Woody Norman. Um, it's about Joaquin Phoenix plays an uncle who is helping his sister by taking care of his sister's kid while she goes, it has to be out of town for an extended period of time. Um, and he seems to be someone who doesn't really have any experience with children and is learning as he's watching over his nephew, um, what parenthood is like and also how hard it is to be a kid and what kind of relearning what childhood is like at the same time. Um, this movie's shot in black and white, and it's set in Los Angeles and New York, and they go to New Orleans, and visually stunning. Like, I saw this in a theater yeah. and just kind of soaked in the black and white, beautiful, beautiful cinematography. So that alone is, like, makes this movie really top tier for me, just just visually. Um, but storytelling-wise... Um, I am an aunt. I do not have any children. And this really sat with me and made me think about my niece and what our relationship would be like. And um, how it's parenthood is something I think about quite often. But to see it laid out this way and to see 
the struggles of parenthood, not just from a um, point of view of like money is hard and work is hard and raising a kid is hard, <laughs> but to see it from like a very intimate psychological perspective of like, how do you be a parent that is there for their, for your kid in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in an emotional sense um, and makes your kid feel safe and teaches them things about the world. Um, I just loved the way that this movie explored that. And um, it also fits into a a genre of movies that I really uh, relate to and and enjoy where uh, an adult is unexpectedly a parent and they have to kind of like (laughs) deal with a kid all of a sudden. Um, This falls into that genre and and it's uh, one of the most like beautiful versions of that genre. Yeah, I think I think we've seen a lot of movies where like where like a, a reluctant adult forms a relationship with a child who like helps them realize his life needs to be turned around. Um sure. but I but I think this movie is a lot deeper than that and I think it goes in different like he is excited to like hang out with this child and like um wants to be part of his life and his life isn't in shambles and needs to be turned around, but like he is learning about like more about um you know some of the things that are going on in his life. But but it's it, it really is a great movie. Yeah, it's it's very, very tender and um, will just make you think about your own upbringing and like your own and you upbringing someone else, I guess, if you ever choose to do that. Um, I want to know. So now that was my what, what number are we at now? That was number seven. So six. Okay. Yes. yes. So what is your number six? Okay. My number six is Pig. Um, I didn't expect this movie to end up so high on my list, um, or even on my list at all, but I kept coming back to it. Um, in Pig, Nicolas Cage plays a, this is a hard sentence to say, he plays a truffle hunting hermit in the Oregon wilderness whose foraging pig gets kidnapped and he re-enters civilization to search for her. That sounds like a completely different movie than this movie is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because it really isn't the movie that I expected. It's about grief and food and finding and pursuing your passion. Um, I think it's probably like the shaggiest movie on my list. And I think there are movies that are probably lower down on this list that are technically better than this movie. But, boy, this one really connected with me. It's I, – I really loved it. Um, so we haven't really talked much about Pig, Lucas. And this is a movie that I I was intrigued by, but I never got a chance to see. Um, do you think I would like Pig? I think you would like Pig. It's available on Hulu. Um, I think it I, – I, again, saw it as more of like – this is going to be a John Wick style movie of someone takes his thing and then he goes on a rampage after them. Right. Uh, but it's really not. It's really about, about the emotional connection um, about love and loss and like that, that kind of thing. And like how you're reconnecting with people and um, someone who has left society, what does that actually mean for you? And why have you done that? And what does it mean to reenter a world that you used to know? Yeah. I mean, that all sounds right up my alley. Um, it's real great. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say um, the Nicolas Cage performance I've heard is really great in this movie. And I feel like I'm starting to get back into Nicolas Cage, like as an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has a movie coming out this year that looks really bonkers and cool. And I feel like now is the time to get back on the Nick Cage trade. It is. I would love to see him get nominated for this performance. I do think it's like perfectly tuned for this movie um i feel like nicholas cage is uh kind of like keanu reeves in the way that like i feel like he has a very narrow window in which he is amazing um and if he stays within that window (laughs) it's 
truly incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, well, what a great pick. My number six pick is a movie that you introduced me to, Lucas. Uh. Um, and that is The Rescue. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is a documentary from the directors Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vasarheli, I think is how you say her last name. Um, I think so, these, yeah. These are the directors that made Free Solo, which was my number two movie the year it came out. Like, very close to number one. It was... I loved Free Solo. I've seen Free Solo a ton of times. I saw it <laughs> at least twice in theaters, maybe three times. I can't remember. Um, but I, I show Free Solo to whoever will let me. Uh, <laughs> I really connected to that movie. I think it's... Um, expertly made and so emotionally significant um so i didn't know that they were making this documentary uh, this new one that came out this year until you mentioned it on our podcast and um i made sure to watch it before we made our list because of your recommendation but also because i loved these directors so much the rescue is about um the diving team that rescued the Thai soccer boys team that was trapped in a cave um, back in 2018. And it's a documentary about that, you know, very like terrifying situation. And then the team that was constructed to help enact that rescue and that escape um, and how they figured out how to do it. I went into this expecting it to be impressive the way that I found Free Solo to be really impressively made. Um, and what I wasn't prepared for, but I should have been, because I think what makes Free Solo good is that it's something we've never seen before and, and it's visually stunning, right? But what makes it amazing is that they find the emotional interior of this character and I think these directors are so good about doing that with their storytelling because what's a, what's great about this movie, about The Rescue, is how impressive of a feat this was, right? Yeah. And how expertly they're documenting this story. But what makes this movie amazing for me is the way that it made me feel about humanity. Um, mm-hmm. I was um, an emotional mess watching this movie. One, because obviously the situation that these young boys and their families were put in is something is like that of all of our worst nightmares. Right. And just thinking about that alone will make you emotional. But what really got me was seeing literally the world come together for one cause and to like help others. Um, And I think that's a very rare thing to see um, in documentaries like this. Um, it, it really got to me just that like humanity can, I feel like I can be a pretty cynical person sometimes, even though I try to be <laughs> like upbeat and positive deep down. I am a cynic and movies like this are like, Oh no, humans can be good. Um, if in, in like a superhero movie, this would be the, the moment where like my mind would be changed yeah. about humanity. <laughs> um, so that movie did this for me. And I think the rescue is just, really incredible storytelling that will that is also a gut punch yeah um we're gonna keep talking about the rescue because it is my number five okay perfect (laughs) timing um i 100 percent agree with you i think it's a thrilling story which i think is uh you know par for the course with this filmmaking team um and just 
I thought it was just so interesting to see the enormous structural effort it takes to attempt something like this. Um, and how in this case specifically, like the people who are most qualified to attempt it are still just guessing and doing their best and yet on a world stage like this. And that's not what they've trained for. This isn't what they've, um, this isn't their profession. They just, this is their hobby. And now they're doing it. They're trying to do it in a life-saving way in front of everybody. (laughs) Um, and I just thought like, yeah, like you said, like it, I thought it was a beautiful portrait of humanity and, um, kind of what, just what happens in a crisis is people end up coming together like this and just really doing their best. And I, I, I love this movie a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't recommend it enough to people. It's on Disney plus and, yes. um, so watch it, watch it as soon as you can. Cause yeah. it's worth it. Um, okay. Well that leads me into my number five movie. We're in our top five. Yes. Um, we're in like the rarefied air. Um, my number five movie is um, something that we've already kind of um, touched on, The Worst Person in the World. Yay! Um, <laughs> yeah. This was a movie that I had incredibly high expectations <laughs> for. Unfairly high expectations yeah. for. Mostly because the buzz around it was enormous. I feel like I've seen since the beginning of 2021, people say, like, this is the best movie of 2021. And so that's been sitting with me all year <laughs> long, right? Um, this movie was also made by um, writer and director um, Joachim Trier, or Joachim Trier. I'm not yeah. sure exactly how he says his name. But he is a, a Norwegian filmmaker who, um, his last movie, Thelma, was a movie that made my top 10 list the year it that made it made mine as out. well. Yeah. Okay, good. I couldn't remember if it did. Um, I loved Thelma. Thelma is, I don't remember what number it was on my list, but it has only grown in my estimation. I show Thelma to anyone who will watch it. (laughs) I think Thelma is an incredibly special movie. And so I, again, was like ready for a masterpiece from someone who I trusted. Um, I actually think I liked Thelma more than I liked The Worst Person in the World, looking back on it. But The Worst Person in the World, I think, was a really, really unique movie. Um, I love rom-coms. I love stories about complicated women. And I wouldn't call this technically a rom-com, even though it is funny and there is high levels of romance in it. Um, but it is a story about a complicated young woman. And I like that this movie is taking on romantic relationships and um, their importance in a young woman's life. Um, because whether you're in one or not, romantic relationships are pressed upon young women as something that's an important part of your life, right? And yeah. for this particular young woman... Um, I just love that this movie has no easy answers about any of the actions or choices or events that take place here. Um, I love that her relationships feel very lived in and real and sexy and romantic, but never like over the top or gratuitous to me. Um, they felt like you were peeking in on real relationships that were messy, but also hot and, um, and flawed and complicated. I, what I also really love about this movie that did remind me a lot about Thelma is that this movie is like, doesn't waste its time. It 
is going to use whatever interesting tricks it has. It's going to be creative. It's going to um, propel the story along. Um, I like that movies that are just about a a girl being in some romantic relationships and trying to figure out her life, that could be very, like, by the book. We've seen what that movie looks like. And this movie is definitely not by the book. Um, It's just so unique. And I don't think it's perfect, which is why it isn't probably higher on my list. It, I expected it to be really high. So making number five is is me kind of knocking it down a few notches because <laughs> I have some questions about the ending. And I have – and it didn't, you know, move me in all the ways that the, my top four maybe moved me. But I think this movie is very, very special. And I, I can't wait for more people to see it. Yeah. I, I also liked Thelma more than this, but I think yeah. comparing – comparing two very different films by the same filmmaker like for 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 me it's like saying like i love catch me if you can more than i like schindler's list um they're just like it's hard to compare compare them but i think yeah thelma connected with me um more than the worst person in the the world but um it's truly a beautiful movie yeah i mean and also i do just want to shout out the performance in this film um by um, Anders Danielson Lie, maybe Lee. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Glad he, you went for it, not me. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, he plays a character named Axel in this movie, and he was also in a movie that we both really loved called Bergman Island this yes. year. Um, so he's having a great year, and it's because he's a really great actor. He's so good in this movie. I just can't wait to see more of him because. He's his performance I thought was really really special. It looks like he's been in other movies from this director that I'm planning mm-hmm. on checking out as soon as I get a chance to. Yeah, I've seen him in I think well quite a few things as a, as a stretch. Um, <laughs> I've seen him in <laughs> a few movies, um, and I j- just found out that wait actually how old is he? He's like 44, he's I think. 44, yeah, he's 44. Which I just looking at him, he looks extremely young. So that was shocking to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> watching and that this is movie. a plot point in this movie <laughs> is that this character is supposed to be in his 40s, and yeah. I remember th- watching it thinking like. Yeah. This guy's no. in his 40s, and it turns no. out he is. He just he is. looks yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would I would definitely recommend this movie, especially if you're a fan of um, Sally Rooney novels. This movie is mm. up your alley, yeah. let me just say. Um, I, I saw a, a tweet that stuck with me that is, this movie is what Sally Rooney novels want to be. Um <laughs> And I'm not I'm not interested in disparaging Sally Rooney, but I will just say that they are very similar in tone and subject matter. Yeah. Um, okay, so Lucas, let's move on. What is your number four movie of the year? Uh, my number four movie of the year is Swan Song. Benjamin Cleary won an Academy Award for his short film Stutterer in 2016. I don't know if you've seen it. It's one of my favorite short no. films ever. It's really great. Um, he's now written and directed his first uh, feature film, which has also given Mahershala Ali his first starring role in a feature film, which is extremely hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, it's about a terminally ill man who has the option to create a duplicate of himself that can seamlessly step into his life without his family ever knowing that they've lost him. And mm. I'm going to say right up front, this is not a sci-fi movie with a bunch of twists. It's not a thriller. This is definitely more in the vein of like Spike Jones's uh, movie, Her, rather than like Alex Garland, Alex 
Alex Garland? Yes. Yeah. Alex Garland's uh, Ex Machina. So it's heartfelt. It's about what it means to have a family, what it means to love someone. Um, it has also got some of the best production design and costuming I have seen all year. It's mm. fantastic. And not like extravagant out there con- costuming. It's just like fantastic looking clothes that I would wear today. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's a beautiful movie. Um, Naomi Harris plays um, Mahershala Ali's wife. And it's one of the best love stories that I've seen this year. Um, oh, I take that back. It is the best love story that I've seen this year. <laughs> um, one of the best that I've ever seen. It's got the cutest meet cute I've ever. It's it's fantastic. You need to watch this movie. It's available oh. on Apple TV Plus. It's great. I'm really regretting not watching this movie before we made this list because it's sounding so perfect. Um, no, I, I just didn't find time for it. But I, I would also say the trailer for this movie I don't think does it a service. It does not. Not at all. It's a bad trailer. Um, <laughs> Don't watch the trailer. The, the way you're describing this sounds so interesting to me. And that trailer did not get me hooked. Um, so, but now after your description, I absolutely can't wait to give this movie a shot. Yeah, I think you should. I I showed it to my wife and she was also like kind of out on the trailer. And then we watched it and it ended up being her favorite movie of the year. So, <laughs> uh, Okay. Number one on my list of 2022 to watch. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm going to move on to my number four, which is um, a movie that I gushed about on this podcast. So I'm going to, if you really want to hear all of my thoughts, please go listen to our episode um, about In the Heights. Um, Yay! Yeah. In the Heights, it like we, like we said earlier, this has been the year of the musical. You know, a yeah. lot of musicals have come out this year. And... Um, in the Heights was the first kind of original and a musical that I saw in the theaters at the beginning of the, at, at the beginning of the summer. Um, and it was such a return to form. It felt like movies were back when I got to see in the Heights in the movie theater. Um, no movie on my list has as much energy and enthusiasm and life as in the heights does um when i talked about movies that were fun this is like it's this and encanto like these are the Mm -hmm. two fun movies (laughs) on my list were these two musicals um i will just say that when i i rewatched it several times and every time i rewatch it i cry so much and I especially cry in the opening number. And the opening number isn't sad. I cry just because, like, I love musicals. And this is, like, <laughs> to me, it's like, oh, this is a musical going for it. Um, and I love that about it so much. Um, I, Like I said, in our episode, I really got into all the things I love about it. But needless to say, it's just a movie that, like, I feel like brought me back to life during this pandemic. And I, I really treasure it because of that. It's in the Heights is so much fun. <laughs> um, this is, I think, th- you mentioned this with Encanto, the songs that you just like keep listening over, over and over to. This is what I do is with ugh, I, my words. This is the movie that I keep listening to the songs from over and over again. Um, usually with musicals, I love the musicals, but then if I'm going to listen to them, I listen to like the original soundtrack or something like that. Yeah. This one I listen to the the music from the motion picture because it's fantastic um 96,000 is 
one of the coolest musical numbers that I've seen um, ever <laughs> in yeah. a musical. It's it's beautiful. I yeah. I, this this movie is a feast for the eyes, and I I think every every family it's it's one of the like family friendly movies as, as well that you can watch. Everybody's gonna love it. It's so fun. Yeah, and it's just. They don't make them like this anymore. They really <laughs> just don't. And so it just feels like I want to hold it close because I'm worried we won't ever get another movie that goes for it like this one does. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Lucas, what is your number three movie of the year? Number three. My number three movie is The Novice. Um, another first-time filmmaker, um, Lauren Hathaway. She made an absolutely masterfully constructed movie. (laughs) This is about a college freshman who joins her university's rowing team um, with absolutely no rowing experience whatsoever. And it really explores um, drive and obsession in a similar vein to like Black Swan and Whiplash. In fact, the the director was the sound editor for Whiplash. Um, And, but I think this movie pushes a little deeper into the central character um, more than those movies do, which I think makes for quite a unique product. It is visually one of the most perfect movies that I've seen this year. It is like, the, as I was watching it the whole time, I was like, this looks amazing. It sounds amazing, obviously, because she comes from the the world of sound. Um, and I think it just like, it. Re- I, 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 I'm too close to it right now to know if it's like better than Black Swan or Whiplash, but I do think it gives that unique perspective. And I think it's a movie that you will like when you're in the mood for a movie like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. I went into this movie expecting whiplash and then being surprised by how black swan it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That really took, I didn't watch any trailers, so it really took me aback. Um, One of the things I love about it's black swan-ness is that, I think Black Swan, you you leave it not knowing what's real and what's not, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And this movie makes you question what's real or what's not throughout the whole movie, but answers all of your questions. And um, I really like that about it, that it doesn't make you, like, leave you guessing. Um, Sometimes that's fun, but I think that it's even more interesting that this movie confirms those answers for you. I think especially with the subject matter and um, the the characters involved, I think it I think it works way better in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just love this movie is about like um, we we don't see you know I think we get movies like Whiplash right or or even the Social Network that are about like young men wanting to be great right. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that kind of frantic energy from women often in films. Um, yeah. Um, or, or obsessive energy to the point of, of possible destruction. Um, and it, it is interesting to see what that looks like in a young woman and what that looks like in her relationships versus like the movies that we're so used to. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it also, I have to call out Isabel Furman. Isabella? Isabel. Isabel Furman, um, who... Just, it's a dynamic performance from her in this. It's truly incredible. She's, I'm very excited to see other things that she's in now. Um, I, well, I'm so glad that that's maybe your lesson that you that you connected with the novice. Um, my number three movie is um, a 
film from a director that I was not familiar with at all. Um, her name is Maria Schrader, and this is a German film called I'm Your Man. Um, I'm Your Man is sort of a rom-com about a academic woman who is single and is not seeking to be in a relationship. And she is asked to test out a very lifelike um, android that has been designed to be her perfect romantic life partner um, and provide her analysis over like whether these are good for society or whether they work. Um, and so it's about her living with a robot boyfriend, essentially. My favorite genre is something that I call tech-affected rom uh, romance. And it's movies where romance is the main um, plot of the story, but that something about the plot has been affected by technology in a small, slight way. Um, what I love about the, what I love is when these movies, especially the world that we're existing in feels like exactly our world. This is just the one thing that's a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, these are not these like major sci-fi movies where you feel like you're in the future. Um, in this film, everything else feels normal except for the fact that her boyfriend, um, that nobody else knows but her, is a robot um, designed <laughs> to be her perfect, pleasing partner. I think that's a great premise, first and foremost. But what made me really love this movie is that it makes you ask so many questions of yourself, of our society, of humanity. It makes you ask questions about, like, what do we really look for in relationships? Not what do we say we look for versus what do we actually look for? What do we look for versus what do we need in relationships? Um, what is good for humanity? Like, is our relationships good? Are these types of relationships good? Is a fulfilling relationship actually good for us? And I love all of those questions. It makes me, it's a very spiritual movie in addition to being a very romantic movie. Um, I left the theater. I saw it for the first time with a friend. And of course, the first question is like, would you have a robot boyfriend if the opportunity were given? But then it makes you ask all sorts of other questions about yourself and how romantic relationships are defined. Um, if you like people talking and a movie that makes you think about those things, I think you'll love I'm Your Man. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, it's a movie that I think not a lot of people know about, but it it's very, very special. Yeah, this is one that I almost like together together where I went and went into it thinking like this will be like a fun like twee movie um, yeah. and is very good <laughs> yeah. like um, and like yeah, like you said, concur with everything that you've said so far. I think getting into um, just the emotional depth of like what does it mean to have relationships <laughs> with people, friendships and um romantic relationships like you said what do you want what do you need all of that is explored here in very interesting ways um and the ability of consciousness and like with love getting to what what really struck him with me is like getting to choose somebody yeah. <laughs> is something that we get you know to do as humans and getting to be chosen by people and so that's something that you get to explore in something like this which is it's a it's it's very powerful also i will call out that you did not mention that the robot is played by dan stevens who is uh fantastic and beautiful 
Thank you for calling that out because <laughs> it needed to be said. Um, yes. <laughs> Dan Stevens is really, really good in this movie. Um, so good. I think playing a robot that is supposed to seem very human, right? Like he's not supposed to seem like a robot to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a very specific <laughs> ask. <laughs> yes. And he fulfills it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and in German. His and non- in German. He's he's fluent in German, but he's not he's not a native German speaker, so it's truly incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um one of the there's so many quirks about his performance that I loved, and it makes you think about what is this technology what would it mean to actually develop this kind of technology, right? A, mm-hmm. An android that is designed to feel as human as possible, and what behavioral patterns like is he doing as part of his programming um, and, and why he would do certain things versus others. Um, it makes you ask questions the whole movie. And I, I love the questions that it made me ask. I do have some qualms with his programming, but we can get into sure. that later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds good. We'll do an I'm your man pod at some yeah. point. Um, okay. So Lucas, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Yes. What is your number two movie of the year? Top two. Okay. My number two. Um, is a devastating movie. <laughs> and I can honestly say it's the most moving movie that I've watched this year. It is Mass. Um, it's about two sets of parents who come together to have a conversation. And the whole movie is just them having this conversation. And if you haven't seen it, I don't want to tell you what it is about. If you want to go in clean, but if you watch the trailer, they tell you what it is in the trailer. So um, I won't say it's a big spoiler or anything, but I think it's an, it is interesting to go into it pretty blank. Um, like I said, it's very devastating. (laughs) It's such an honest, like real conversation that has so much compassion for every character. Um, and there, it, it, it really swept me up and kept me fully engaged, even though it's just four people sitting in a room. Um, I didn't look at my phone the entire movie. I was completely fully, um, engaged is the only word I can think of (laughs) engaged in what was happening constantly in this movie. It's truly fantastic. Yeah. So I haven't gotten a chance to see mass yet. Um, I, I won't spoil anything, any of the plot for people, but I will just say like, yeah, devastating is the right word that it it seems like the movie would be. And I wasn't emotionally in a place where I could handle it. Um, So it's a movie that I'm sure I will watch someday when I'm a little bit more ready. Yeah, for sure. It's great. I would recommend everybody watch it. But again, when you're when you're in the right headspace for it. <laughs> Do you think Mass has um w- with those performances any Oscar potential? I hope so. I don't think so. I think it's um those performances are so shared that I feel like they would all end up in supporting. Mm, um yeah. and I also think they're so um contained and specific like they're not like big oscar showy performances they are just so perfectly in tune um if any of them do i would say Anne dowd might get a supporting actress nomination which would be far and away deserved um but if, if it were up to me they'd all they'd all win <laughs> yeah um well i i can't wait to give this a shot when i'm in a, in a better headspace maybe when yeah. When it warms up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What was your number okay. two? Before I talk about it in depth, I just want to say that um, I think this is a masterpiece. And I think it's the best movie of the year. And it's not my number one for Whoa. for nitpicky, like, emotional reasons, you know. But I do think that this movie is so incredible. And that is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Um, so... 
I, you know, early in this year, we taught, we had a conversation about West Side Story and like how we were all feeling about it, um, leading into the awards season and how we were all kind of like a little hesitant about this movie. I think especially after seeing In the Heights, I was kind of like, this movie's so interesting and new and fresh. How could West Side Story live up to what In the Heights made me feel? Um, and then I went and saw it in a theater twice and um west side story i think is a is there's like i have one criticism and it's so minor and i I won't say what the criticism is because it spoils part of the movie but it's so everything else about the film i think is perfect every scene every moment every shot every costume i was holding my breath almost the whole time from the moment the movie starts Um, I'm, there wasn't a single second where I was disinterested or ready for it to move on to another scene. Um, I feel like oftentimes when you watch a movie the second time and you know what's happening, there'll be certain scenes, right? Where you're like, let's get onto this, get get through this to get to the good stuff. The the one that I know is coming up. Mm -hmm. I never felt that way during West Side Story because Steven Spielberg is a genius and he surprise surprise (laughs) yeah yeah who who knew um he just knows how to propel a story and knows when to make you knows what to do to make you want to sit in certain moments and what knows how to make you excited about moving forward in other moments um in addition to like just the, the the way the story moves and how like perfect the pacing I felt was, even though this is a long movie. Um, visually, I was blown away. This movie, like, reminded me what color was. Like, <laughs> I was watching this movie, <laughs> and I was like, oh, movies nowadays do not use color anymore. And this one is. It's all about bringing in, like, color theory and warm tones and making you like want to dive into the frame. Um, every single shot, he doesn't waste a shot, um, making sure that it's interestingly composed and beautiful to look at. Um, even though this movie is like, it also makes sure to be, it also makes sure to be gritty in a lot of ways that, um, a lot of musicals don't take the time because musicals are glamorous and fun. And and that's what I love about them. But this musical is the best of both worlds. It, it gives you the full scope of being a grand musical while also like really making you feel the lived in grittiness of the, the setting of, of a crumbling New York city suburb, not suburb, um, like borough. Um, and I, I loved that about it. Um, the thing I loved the most about it, though, is, you know, like I said earlier, it leans into its its big musical boldness. Um, we all know the story of West Side Story. I don't think it's a big spoil to, to talk about the plot. We know that it's based on Romeo and Juliet. And Romeo and Juliet in a modern context, right, um, in a realistic film setting, it's a big ask. It's a big ask to believe that two people meet fall in love literally at first sight and then all of this violence and and drama ensues as a result of that deep love 
Um, it's hard. It's a it's a big ask to buy into that kind of love story. Um, that these two people who have barely had a conversation that their love is worth all of this. And this movie asks that, and I am willing to say yes because the way it's crafted, the way these performances are handled, the beauty, the beauty of the of Sondheim's music and lyric or Sondheim's lyrics and, and the music in this film. I am so bought in on this love story. And um, I, I just, I could gush about it for a long time. We didn't do a, a West Side Story podcast, and I kind of wish we gotten a chance to because I think this movie is so impressive. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's the best movie of the year. Wow. Um, I did, I liked West Side Story a lot. I think one of the things that you're talking about is like really buying into kind of everything that devolves from this uh, love at first sight relationship. I think something that it does better than the original is cast young people. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it really helps you believe that like, this is, this is what happens when you get kids involved and they make dumb decisions and you know, everything falls apart. And so for me, that felt more alive and real in this, this version of the movie. Um, I, was not excited for this movie. Um, and it turned out to be truly amazing. I think, um, Ariana DeBose for me is the standout who plays Anita. Um, she is truly incredible. I, I don't have a ton to say about this movie. I liked it a lot. I think everybody in it is fantastic. Uh, minus Ansel Elgort. Um, I didn't, I did not love him in this movie, but, but I do think, I don't, I don't think he detracts from the greatness of this movie. Yeah. Um, I think every single person in this movie is performing beautifully. Um, I was really, really enchanted by every single performance. Um, Good. The two that stood out to me are Rachel Ziegler as mm-hmm. Maria. I think the whole movie hinges on her, right? Yeah. Not only does she have to sing so beautifully, which she does, but we have to buy her falling in love and and her performance of falling in love and we have to buy that someone would risk it all for her. Right. And I I buy that. Um, the other performance that really, really took me away was, um, Mike Feist as riff. Um, so good. I I mean, every (laughs) second he was on screen, I was enthralled by his choices. Um, I couldn't look away from him. I, I think he's really, really special. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Um, it's very depressing to me that it has not done well at the box office. Um, I think it should win Best Picture, and I'm nervous for its, you know, outcome. Yeah. But West Side Story, I think, is, yeah, it's an incredible movie. I It might be my favorite Spielberg movie. Um, wow. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg is a genius, as we said earlier. <laughs> so I think that's saying something. Yep. That's true. Um, okay. I think we're finally here at we're the most important it. moment of the episode. Lucas, what is your number one movie of the year? My number one movie of the year. I didn't expect to like this movie going into it, um, but it's definitely my favorite movie of the year. Um, is Come On, Come On. Wow. Why does everything have to be like this kind of weird, eccentric thing that like you do? It. Yeah, but why not just do something normal? Like What's everything normal? in your real life. What's normal? Okay, fine. Good point. I really loved this movie. <laughs> I think we've already talked about it, but I think one of the things that you get in this movie, because he's a, you know, a radio journalist, Joaquin Phoenix uh, 
you get these vignettes of him recording uh, his nephew and asking him questions and also just recording himself alone and really just audio journaling, talking, talking about, you know, the, some events that we've already seen and how he feels about them. Um, and it's, for me, it's a lot like mass in the fact that it's people having deep, meaningful conversations. It's much more joyful and celebratory <laughs> than mass, but it's still able to get into, I think, like the heartache of parenting and the out of control feeling of being someone's child, um, mm-hmm. both as someone's adult child and being a child itself. And I think the, like the connection of both of those things is something that's really unique about this movie um, and that I abs- absolutely loved. Um, I've watched it multiple times now and it kept coming back to me as like, this is, I think a very unique movie that, uh, was very powerful for me this year. I'm so happy that this is your number one movie. Um, (laughs) I think like people who connect to this movie, I think it says a lot about, um, just like how thoughtful we all want to be. Right. Cause this is an incredibly thoughtful movie and I just Mm -hmm. think it, it makes it ende- obviously you're a dear friend to me, but endears me even more to you. That, like <laughs> this is your number one movie of the year. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I I've already said all my good things about it, but I I agree that it's an, it's a really really special film. So my number one movie of the year. We all you know, know it. <laughs> we, we, we know. We know what it is. Um, the only reason that this is my movie over West Side Story, my number one movie over West Side Story, is that yeah. West Side Story is a masterpiece. But, I mean, it is long and it is an emotional investment, right? That, mm-hmm. like, I mean, how many times can I watch that ending and, and yeah. still be okay? Um, for me, what's important often in a number one movie of the year is rewatchability. And it has to be exciting and I have to connect to it deeply, but I also have to want to watch it over and over again. Um, And that is how I feel about Spencer. Mummy, why do we have to open our presents on Christmas Eve? Why not Christmas Day like everybody else? You know, at school you do tenses. Yeah. Yeah. It's past, present, future. Right. Well, here, there is only one tense. There is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. Directed by Pablo Lorraine, stars Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana. Um, It takes place over one weekend, Christmas weekend, um, right as her marriage to Prince Charles is, is on the end and it's crumbling. And this is a movie that I've talked about quite a bit um at least with my friends and then you know when the trailer came out we we discussed (laughs) how excited i was for this movie um i saw it twice in theaters and then once or twice here at home um it is so i i'm so invested in this movie um visually i think it's all of like the glamour and mood that I ever want from a movie and in my life, oftentimes, like I love to walk around like an estate and a botanical garden that is like, um, to go for a garden stroll. This movie is like the English, beautiful countryside that I, I would love to stroll around. Um, but in a grand, you know, Royal estate, I would not classify this as a horror film, but this is my kind of horror film. If you were to call it one, it is eerie and anxiety building and you never feel like you're standing on two feet when you're watching the movie. And it's about a woman who is 
losing herself, losing her mind, um, losing her bearings, and how she's just struggling to keep it all together every second. And whether she's succeeding or not during different seconds of the weekend is that's the good stuff in the movie. Um, the costumes are so gorgeous in this movie. The music is so amazing. When I, the score is something that, um, as you're watching it, you'll, you'll say to yourself over and over again, like, I can't believe this score. And Kristen Stewart's performance performance is remarkable. She is, the movie is pretty much on her every second in the, in the film. There's, there are very few shots, even not just scenes, but shots that don't have her in them. Um, and so to have a movie pay that much attention to you, you have to be giving so much. And she really does. Um, what, another thing that I really love about this movie is that it is sort of a biopic, right? It's about a real person, but it is clearly stated at the movie that this is a fable, a fable based on a tragedy is what the movie starts with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love movies about real people that don't stress too much about whether these events occurred like this or whether this is true to reality. That's not what the purpose of this movie is. This purpose is to tell a fairy tale about a real person. Um, and I love a twisted, dark fairy tale. And that's exactly <laughs> what this movie is. Um, it reminded me of Mother. It reminded me a little bit of Black Swan, but mostly Mother. Yep. Um, but it's much more glamorous than both of those movies, which I think helps um, helps take in that tension, right? With Mother and Black Swan, you're like overwhelmed by how anxious and tense you are. And because this movie is so beautiful to look at, it's you're playing constantly with that anxiety, but with that like glow and glamour. Um, I could watch this movie over and over and over again, and I probably will as the years continue. Um, so <laughs> I really recommend Spencer to everyone. It's it's a movie that I'm so entranced by. Yeah, Spencer, when you mentioned the the soundtrack, the soundtrack is truly incredible um this <laughs> this um this movie i think does very interesting things with um not only the soundtrack itself but also just like the sound design woven into it yeah this is a movie set in the early 90s and i think the way it plays with um not only the soundtrack but the the would, audio recording yeah. um aspects of it to make it feel very 90s as well is so interesting to me i think overall i'm not a huge fan of movies where like the main characters just kind of slowly losing their mind those sure. movies are very difficult for me um but i think this movie definitely does it the best <laughs> yeah um and i think i was i was very prepared to see someone like kristen stewart like playing this specific character or this specific person and i think she does a fantastic job of hinting at that but it's not a impersonation it's not right. she's not um you know exactly mimicking um diana's movements or voice it is um evoking diane which i yeah. think is amazing i agree because like i said this movie is not trying to 
recount all the events of Diana and, and exactly as they happen. This is an interpretation of this story that we all kind of know, right? That we know mm-hmm. the, the, the tragedy of Diana and it's an interpretation of that. And so her performance, I think, is an interpretation of Diana. It's not yep. yeah, a, a, an impersonation or a mimic of it, um, which I think makes it more credible in that sense. It makes it more true to what the film is trying to do. Um, one thing I also want to note about this movie is that we all know going in the tragedy of Diana, right? We know how tragic her ending is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard to tell a story about a tragic figure and end the film in a way that doesn't make you just depressed by the end, right? <laughs> like, that's... yeah. I think a very hard thing to accomplish. Um, And I think this movie really pulls it off. It finds a way to find a hopeful ending, even though we know that the ultimate ending of this real life person um, was so um, dark and sad. Um, So that's my favorite movie of the year. And those are our lists. Do we want to just kind of run through just what those were in order really quickly? Yes. Mine, starting from number 10, is The Harder They Fall, The Worst Person in the World, Drive My Car, Flea, Pig, The Rescue, Swan Song, The Novice, Mass, and Come On, Come On. And mine are, starting at number 10, Together Together, Cusp, and Kanto, Come On, Come On, The Rescue, The Worst Person in the World, In the Heights, I'm Your Man, West Side Story, and Spencer. So now, Lucas... I think we should tell people what are the movies that just barely didn't make our list. Some of our honorable mentions for the year. Yes. I I feel like I have so many honorable mentions this year. This year, there were so many good movies that I feel like there were probably like 10 movies that were vying for like the bottom half of my list. (laughs) Um, But some of my like top honorable mentions are the power of the dog procession, the lost daughter and the green Knight. All four of those movies were movies that I think were really moving and just didn't make the list for me. Yeah, um, so I'm going to say two of mine um, were, these were really fighting for that number 10 spot, Mm -hmm. um, was Tick, Tick, Boom, um, a movie that I really love, but just found a little bit flawed, but still loved so deeply, Um, and then Shiva Baby, which is another movie that I just think was so expertly made, and talk about like a movie that handles tension and anxiety, um, and I didn't have as deep of an emotional connection to Shiva Baby, but I was mm-hmm. thrilled by it. Yeah. Okay. So now each year we, t- we tend to talk about um, what was your most disappointing movie of yeah. 2021? My most disappointing movie of 2021 was Last Night in Soho. Um, mm-hmm. This was a movie that I think I still liked overall, but I just had such high expectations going into it. It was vying for like my most anticipated movie of this year. Going into it, I was very excited about it. And I honestly think like the first, maybe the first like half, the first third is an amazing movie. It's truly one of the coolest, um, has some of the coolest sequences that I've seen (laughs) this year. Um, but the last, really the last third, uh, falls apart and I really hated it so much. (laughs) Um, so it, it definitely ended up being my most disappointing movie of 2021. How about you? Oh, um, so my most disappointing movie of 2021 was Eternals. Mm. This is a movie that should have been good. And wasn't. And (laughs) um, 
I, I just really had hoped coming off of the win of Best Picture that mm-hmm. we would get just like another knock out of the park from Chloe Zhao that um, we would have an artsy Marvel movie that like, you know, was really, really good and beautiful while also still playing with superheroes and magic. Um, and that movie, Eternals did not get to fulfill that. Um Yeah. Uh, it, there was, so, I think, also just you know, most disappointing has so much to do with potential, and it yeah. had oodles of potential with its cast and its director. And I was really bummed that it didn't get to fulfill yep. it. I would agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, on a better note, what was the most surprisingly enjoyable movie of 2021? For me, it's West Side Story. I spent all of 2021 dreading West Side Story coming out. <laughs> And when it finally did, I was like, this is actually a great movie. <laughs> so it sounds very, uh, it sounds lame, but yeah, West Side Story is my most surprisingly enjoyable movie of 2021. Okay. That's, I mean, I kind of see that because I mean, I, I was there with you and like, not sure, not, I wasn't dreading it, but I also just had my doubts. Um, yeah. I truly dreaded it. Like anytime anybody brought it up, I was just like, oh, West Side Story. Yeah. I'm so mad that they're making this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, My most surprisingly enjoyable movie is also an honorable mention that I, I wanted to wait to bring up till now. And I'm here to eat some crow because <sighs> it was the power of the dog. Yes. Yes. <laughs> People should go back and listen to our Shang-Chi episode, which is where we discussed both the Spencer trailer and the power of the dog trailer. Mm-hmm. And, Man, did I go on a rant about the power of dog <laughs> and how I did not want to see this movie and how I hate westerns. And it's true, I still do hate westerns. And in that episode, I did give it kudos that it had a great trailer. Um, but I was actively not interested in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I ended up giving it a chance. Um, in in that tra- in that episode, I said I would only give it a chance if people that I trusted said it was great. And it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, yep. <laughs> so I, I, I ended up giving it a chance before any nominations came out. And I'm so, so glad that I did because it's a really, really good movie. And it came very close to making my top ten. Yeah. It's – I – I'm sad we didn't get a chance to talk in depth about that one. We probably will in the future, but yeah. it's it's such an interesting movie that I would also recommend everybody watching. <laughs> um, here's an idea. Here's a podcast idea, Lucas. If mm-hmm. in the next month or two we have a week where we're like not really sure what we should talk about, we should do an episode that's just spoiler sections for our top ten list movies. Yes, I love where that we idea. Just talk about. <laughs> our top 10 movies, but about, but the spoilers for all of them. Yeah. I love it. Um, because yeah, this is definitely the kind of movie that we're going to want to talk about the spoilers for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's really, really good. And so here <laughs> I am to say, even if you don't like Westerns, you should check out the power of the dog. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So last year we talked about what our most anticipated movies for 2021 were. Um, you said yours earlier. Remind me again. What was it? It was. Uh, mine was um, The Harder They Fall. Right. Which made your top 10. Very exciting. Yep. Um, mine last year was The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And that did not make my top 10. I think it was a, an okay movie. It, it didn't blow me away. But there were things about it that I really liked. Um, so I'm not mad about it. Um, here we are again to pick out what our most anticipated 2022 movie is. 
So, Lucas, I want to know, what is your most anticipated? Now, I will say I have a good track record on my most anticipated movies. One, coming out, period, because the yeah. last couple of years have been a stretch. Sure. Um, but also that I've, like, really enjoyed them. I think actually do think the last couple of years, my most anticipated, has made it on my on my top ten list. This is a year that I feel like I'm really going out on a limb here. Um but it is a movie that I'm like extremely excited about and interested to see kind of how it goes. It is a movie by the filmmaker um, Andrew Dominic, who has done Killing Them Softly and The Assassination of Jesse James. Um, he is directing a new movie called Blonde. It is the um, it's a fictionalized chronicle chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe, starring um, Ana de Armas as um as marilyn monroe it also stars bobby cannavale uh adrian brody uh julia nicholson uh scoop mcnary it is a great cast i think a great director and um i'm very very excited to see what this looks like (laughs) yeah i can't i'm excited for this as well um you know we've had a row of anna de armas movies that have like really lit up twitter right yeah, and yeah. i feel i can't wait for this one to like be added to the bunch what about you okay well before i say you know earlier you said you had some guesses and i want to <laughs> know if you have if you're able to guess what mine is because now that you set it up i want to know if you get it right oh boy okay so i i I had two. One of them is Ticket to Paradise, which is um, the new Old Parker movie, who is the director of Mamma Mia. Um, he's making a movie with George Clooney and Julia Roberts about a divorced couple that teams up to travel to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they did. Um, but so that that one, I think, is very high up there as possibly one of your your most anticipated. But I, I do think the most anticipated movie of 2022 for you is Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry, Darling. Okay. Well... Ticket to Paradise, I have never heard of. So you just informed me about a movie that I am now incredibly (laughs) excited about. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's one you're going to get behind for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm in. Director of Mamma Mia, great couple, rom-com. I mean, our Ocean's Eleven couple. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm incredibly excited about that now that I know it exists. Um, <laughs> Don't Worry Darling is on my honorable mentions for most anticipated. Okay. Um, but no, hands wow. down, didn't even have to think about it. My most anticipated movie of 2022 is a movie called Fire Island. Um, it is written by written and starred and stars Joel Kim Booster, a comedian that I love. And it is a um, gay adaptation of Pride and Prejudice set in modern-day Fire Island. It's directed by Andrew Hahn. It stars Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang and Margaret Cho. Um, And it seems like it's also going to be a fairly faithful Pride and Prejudice adaptation in that they have characters cast for all of the main roles in the, in the book. Um, I don't think it's like kind of just loosely based on the idea of, you know, kind of enemies who don't like each other falling in love. I think they're staying true to the the plot of Pride and Prejudice. Um, And it looks like it's going to be a blast and funny because it's written by an incredibly funny person who 
I love both as a comedian, but and also just as a personality online. I, I love his podcast. I love the things he has to say online. Um, Joel Kambuster, I think, is just a star, and I hope that this movie is what really br- fully breaks him out into like mega stardom. Um, I can't Fire Island. I was watching all the Instagram posts from everyone on the cast <laughs> as it was being made, and yeah, I couldn't be anticipating a movie more. I absolutely should have guessed this for sure. Um, (laughs) This is exactly your vibe. I did not know this movie comes out in 2022. (laughs) Yes. I think it's coming out in the summer, hopefully. Um, Okay. That's exciting. And I think Hulu has already bought it. So um, nice. Yeah. That means it will definitely come out. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I just, I mean, a summer Pride and Prejudice gay movie. Like, how could I want anything? Um. There are other movies, though, that I'm sure we're both anticipating. Do you want to list off any that um, stuck out to you? Um, For me, uh, from the franchise standpoint, Mission Impossible 7. I am so excited for that one. (laughs) Um, That one is is very high up there for me. There's a movie called Bullet Train starring Jessica Bullock and Brad Pitt. And it is a a bunch of five assassins on on a train movie that I'm very excited about as well. Jessica Bullock. Who is that? Sorry. Sandra Bullock. Did I say Jessica Bullock? (laughs) Jeez. Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt. (laughs) Okay. Now, this is different from the Sandra Bullock. um, Yes. Channing Tatum movie that also Lost City. Correct. Correct. This is, yeah, Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Zazie Beetz, um, and Brian Tyrese Henry um, are all assassins on a train, I think. So, I mean. Uh, sign me up for that as well i yeah. will admit that like i haven't done as much research as i normally do into 2022 movies mm-hmm. so really i'm asking you like what should i be anticipating is okay. really my well, question now. if you want more of the list jordan peele's nope um comes out this year starring kiki palmer um and daniel kaluuya um and steven yoon so i think i'm that's something that i'm very very excited for as well and i think hopefully we'll be at his traditional level of 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 movie quality so um okay i'm gonna say a few of mine and then we can maybe finish up with any others that you have because i'm sure you have a few more Uh, (laughs) some of mine are everything everywhere all at once starring Mm, michelle yo um direct movie directed by the daniels this is a movie made by the same guys that made Swiss Army Man, which was a weird but delightful movie. And the trailer for Everything Everywhere All at Once has already come out and looks fantastic. So um, very much excited for that. Um, We've already talked about Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde. I loved Booksmart. Harry Styles and Florence Pugh are starring in this movie. So, of course, I'm I'm into it. Um, Another movie that, look... We're going to cross our fingers that after Yang comes out in 2022. <laughs> I, I think it was set to come out in 2020, right? I mean, we've been talking about this movie for so many yeah. years at this point. Um, after Yang, you know, directed by Kobanata, who made Columbus, a movie that both you and I adored. It was both um, our number one movies. Yes. And um, it looks, it's, it's a sci-fi movie that seems thoughtful and meditative like probably columbus is and i just can't wait for it um i think one year it was my most anticipated movie and then it ended up not coming out so um i I didn't fall for that trap again but it is still anticipated i will say um and then 
The last one that I want to bring up is a movie called, let me get it pulled up here. Um, it's a movie called She Said. And this is based on, um, it, the book is also called She Said. It's about um, Megan Twoey, Twoey, I'm not sure her last name, and Jody Cantor, the New York Times reporters who broke the story of Harvey Weinstein's um, sec, um, sexual misconduct. There's a book about basically how all of that came to be in their reporting. Uh. And this film is is the film adaptation of that um, book. Um, and the, the subject matter is really interesting to me. I haven't read the book yet. I did read um, Ronan Farrow's book about his experience reporting this story. Um, and I, I've been meaning to read She Said as yeah. well. But what also makes me excited about this is that I just learned that it is directed by the woman that made I'm Your Man, a movie that I just had on our list and that I really, really loved. Um, so I'm, I, I'm really um, anticipating She Said. I think it's going to be um, with that director and um, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan are playing the two main um, reporters those actresses and this story subject, um, I'm really looking forward to this. That's exciting. Um, okay, I want to hear any others that you're really excited about. Um, I think the last two that I want to call out is um, Martin Scorsese's new movie, um, Killers of the Flower Moon, based on the book about the FBI investigation into the murder of um, a lot of Osage Indi American Indians in Oklahoma, um, starring Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Jesse Plemons. Um I'm very excited about that one. I'm, I have limited expectations for it, but I, <laughs> but I do think Martin Scorsese is a great filmmaker, and I'm very excited to to see his take on this book. I mean, I think you're a fool if you don't anticipate a Martin Scorsese film. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think well, we have a lot to look forward to this year. Um, let's light our candles and say our prayers that. 2022 is um, a better year for the pandemic and um, an amazing year for movies. Yeah. Uh, I love recording this podcast with you, Lucas, and I love doing our top 10 episodes. So thank you for doing it with me. Me too. This is a fit. This is really fantastic. Um, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and stuff. And also, will you be posting your list on Letterboxd? I will be posting my list on Letterboxd. So you can find it there. Okay. Great. Um, and then my, you can find me everywhere online at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. I also will be posting my list on Letterboxd. And you can see um, how many times I, you know, cried and watched West Side Story and then obsessed over Spencer. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everyone. Oh, this was fun. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 